Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of the Gridiron Graduates podcast. My name is Bill Rossetti, and I am joined by my good friend, Ian Wharton. Ian, what's going on, brother? Not too much, man. Just happy to start this up, and uh, I think we're going to make magic happen. I agree. Uh, I've been wanting to do a podcast with Ian for quite some time, and glad we're finally able to get it going. So, like I said, we are the Gridiron Graduates and we are here to get, just give you our take on the world of football. We'll talk a little NFL, talk a little college, give you news and notes, team previews down the line. And I think, and another interesting thing I think we want to try to do is we want to do some live film study. Ian and I will get together and uh, you know do do some film study, watch some players, you know during during the college season, especially during draft season and. We might have probably get some guests on, and uh, you know we'll all do film study together. So give give you a little extra. So hopefully it'll be a lot of fun. So let's get going, and we'll start with our very first topic, and it will be none other than Adrian Peterson, who certainly was in quite a battle all off season. It wasn't he, in, you know, between. Uh, you know all the mess he got in. It was, it was crazy. But uh, he's he's in OTAs now. We thought he was going to hold out for guaranteed money, but he decided to report to OTAs. And uh, you know, so what are your thoughts on that? Should he have held out longer? Was this a good move? What do you think? What, what's your take on AP right now? Uh, you know, it, it's so funny because he's really been just like at the pinnacle of the position during his career and you know for him to miss last season it was just really weird to go through a season without Adrian Peterson like this is the most dominant running back that you know I I've seen in like a decade so um especially for them breaking in Teddy Bridgewater um and then to see their running game just kind of become absolutely obsolete you know throughout the season so you know, I'm really excited about it. I think that as far as he's concerned, I mean, he's a 30-year-old running back at this point. He made a lot of money last year to do nothing. And, you know, I understand that, you know, the guaranteed contracts in the NFL, I think that's something that, that needs to be figured out in the next CBA. And unfortunately for Peterson and, and the rest of these athletes, you know, they're kind of in a position where, <coughs> excuse me, they can't do much. <clears throat> they're just kind of bound to uh, to what they're limited by. Oh, excuse me, as I swallowed down the wrong pipe. Um, you know, so I'm just excited to see him get back. I think he's going to be a huge help for what Teddy Bridgewater, you know, needs to develop. I think for their offense, um, they've got a fairly weak receiving core, and I think that Peterson's going to help elevate that. Their offensive line now healthy, hopefully. Uh, if Matt Khalil can step up, I think can be a, a pretty good offensive line. It really kind of depends on Khalil, though. Khalil was a mess last year. Uh, Peterson's really the key, though, because that that's possibly a, a wild card type team with Peterson in the mix. Yeah, and I agree. You know, um, you, you mentioned this is a team that can that definitely is a sleeper for the playoffs. Uh, because as we saw last year without Adrian Peterson, their, their running game was okay, but it's not like it was anything special. I mean, um, 
I, I like Jarek McKinnon, but he's only that shifty, change of pace type back. You know, he's not really someone that you can feed the ball 20, 25 times. And then Matt Asiata is just kind of there. You know, he, he's not. It's it's hard to see. He's just kind of average. You know? Yeah, he's just a guy. He's just a guy. Yeah, he's a jag, as as we like to say in the NFL. Um, I mean, obviously, fantasy owners loved him because he he can get you those three goal line touchdowns, and all of a sudden you're winning your fantasy week. But as far as the actual game goes, he he's not someone like I said, like I said with McKinney, he's not someone that you could really rely on. Like the two of them together, yeah, it's a nice combo, but. Even the two of them together is not remotely close to what you're getting with Adrian Peterson, and as you said, we're we're now still developing Teddy Bridgewater, so having Peterson in the backfield is certainly going to help Bridgewater. It's going to open up the passing game, because outside of Mike Wallace, there's not a whole lot there in the receiving game, as, as you said. You know, Cordell Patterson really struggled in his, his second season. Kyle Rudolph's still battling injuries. So, P- Peterson really is still the linchpin of that offense. I mean, we saw it a couple of years ago when they made that playoff run with really nothing at quarterback with Christian Ponder. <laughs> well, let's let's be honest. Peterson carried that team into the playoffs. And, I, I mean, I know there was, like, it seemed like there was animosity between the two of them. You know, Peterson saying, you know, show me loyalty or something like that, like trying to earn that trust. Well, it doesn't get more trustworthy than a team saying they're not going to trade you, and then they don't trade you. You know, how many times did the Vikings come out and say, we are not trading Adrian Peterson? And how many opportunities did they have to trade Adrian Peterson? They could have traded him on draft. They got a high pick. You know, there's all the rumors, Dallas, maybe Arizona. And what happened? They didn't trade him. So if that's not loyalty in the NFL, then I don't know what is. Um, and, and another thing, you know, I wanted to mention too quick, um, you know, as I was thinking about this, we've seen players also, you know, they, they would hold out and have, you know, hold out and try to get better contracts, but then they would come back, you know, out, out of nowhere, all, all of a sudden they would say, okay, I'm going to come to, I'm going to come to practice or whatever, OTAs, training camp, what have you. And as soon as they come back, it seems like they get rewarded with a new contract, like, you know, and I'm writing my notes, so I'm thinking of Heinz Ward. You know, we remember that story. He's holding out. All of a sudden, he comes back, and it seems like that. He gets a new contract. So so with Adrian Peterson making this reversal, do you think this is going to help his chances of uh, getting a new or, – or maybe not getting a new contract, but getting the guaranteed money that he supposedly wants – for 2016 um you know I'd, I'd be surprised but you know if he comes out has a monster year has another 1400 plus yards or say or, you know or so if he's durable doesn't really show many signs of wearing down um you know they may give him a, a small bone but it's hard because restructuring contracts is such a painful issue two three four years down the road Exactly. Exactly. Look at the Saints. Um, even the Broncos have had to let a lot of guys go mm-hmm. this past off season, and and the Cowboys. Goodness, we know they had a ton of issues for years. So Steelers too. And I, I just don't 
think paying a 31-year-old going to be 32-year-old running back at that point, you know, even more money. Eventually, unfortunately, as good as Adrian Peterson has been, it's just going to be a tough thing to do unless if he is really dominant this year. Um, and that's a team that maybe reaches second round of the playoffs. And it's really because of him, which even then, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater's franchise quarterback, I, I, you know, if he were to regress, it would be very, very surprising in my eyes. So he might, he might get a restructure and get, might get a little bit more money guaranteed. Um, but it's just kind of the NFL's attitude towards running backs, and it's justified. We, we've got the proof to say that guys don't continue to produce into their early, mid-30s. So I think it's going to be a tough a tough stretch for him. But, you know, like I said, he's a great back, and at least for 2015, I think he's going to do a great job. And he'll probably continue to be functional for another year or two. Um, but as we even saw with Ladanian Tomlinson, when, that, when he hits that, you know, that ledge, it's gone. And when he loses it, it's over. So it's just it's just the nature of the beast, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it's crazy how father time father time is undefeated, as we've seen. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. People have tried to beat it, but it just can't be stopped. Speaking of quarterbacks and new contracts, Cam Newton just got a new contract, uh, becoming the NFL's newest one hundred million dollar man. Five year contract. $103.8 million, which includes $67 million in the first three years, the largest ever for a three-year span for a player. And it also includes a $22.5 million signing bonus and a $7.5 million roster bonus due on June 6th. Now, a lot of people are going to say this is a lot of money for a quarterback who hasn't had a huge amount of success so far in the NFL. But the fact is, he has... I mean, he, he did finish under 500 last season, but he has led... He has led the Panthers to back-to-back division titles. And, you know, no matter what your record is, you can't take that away from him. Division title is a division title, even if it was as bad as the NFC South was last year. And we've seen in the last couple of years now, the quarter, the teams are willing to pay top dollar for these quarterbacks, whether it's, you know, the high level like Aaron Rodgers or even mid-tier guys like Alex Smith or Andy Dalton, guys like that. They're willing to shell out as much money as possible and lock these quarterbacks up as long as they can because once they get their guy, they're willing to stay with them because they don't want to be stuck in quarterback purgatory. You know, you look at a team like the Houston Texans. Great team all around. But because of the quarterback situation they had, that's what kept them out of the playoffs, even though they went 9-7, and seven, which was still surprising to me, and why Bill O'Brien got my vote for Coach of the Year. Um, now, do you think Cam is worth all this money? Yeah, I was I was pretty happy with those final numbers. Um, so I'm pretty high on Cam Newton. I really like him. I think as far as the young quarterback group, he's probably, um, you know, you're talking maybe 27 and under. Uh, I think he would be uh, my number one guy that I would take um, for my roster. Uh, you know, from like that that, uh, and I'm strictly talking about like that three year, three to four year gap of where he was drafted. Um, 
you know, I think him at 26 years old right now, uh, I, I really like his skill set. He's improved every year. You know, you have to consider what he came from at Auburn. Um, the guy's just a playmaker. You know, people people got have this idea of Cam Newton that he's still this guy with really raw footwork, very inaccurate. He's just got a rocket for an arm. I mean, that's not just who he is anymore. This is a more pocket passer than what he's ever been. And I don't see why he would continue or why he would ever stop his development uh, at this stage of the game. <clears throat> Every season he's come back better. And you look at that division, you've got Drew Brees, and I know that the Saints fans hate hearing this, but Drew Brees had a lot of Chad Pennington-type moments last year where he just couldn't get the ball to his receivers. I don't know if there is an oblique injury uh, or what, but to me, I'm scared that his arm is starting to die a little bit. And, you know, again, he's 36, going on 37 years old. That shouldn't be shocking. That's not, that shouldn't be breaking news. Uh, it just happens to the body. You know, Breeze is falling off a little bit. Matt Ryan, I'm not the huge Matt Ryan fan. You know, he's struggled a little bit since losing Tony Gonzalez. Um, his weapons have been a little bit banged up, but he's really relied on having those top-notch weapons in his career to succeed. Um, I'm not sold on him more than I am on Cam Newton, even though Newton technically, you know, hasn't been on a team that's in, as, that's accomplished quite as much as uh, as Matt Ryan has so you know it would have been a situation for me where you open up and you say blank check because you've got a quarterback in his prime and he's willing to sign a five-year extension with I mean that's a no-brainer that's for me the Panthers have really failed Cam Newton they haven't given him a good weapon um, you know we can talk about Calvin Benjamin but Calvin Benjamin outside of you know some wide open touchdowns that happen because of blown coverages he only had a couple splash plays, and then outside of that, he was very, very, very inconsistent. Ran wrong routes a lot. Uh, just ran straight up poor routes if they were even the right route. Still very uh, raw, had, I think. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's a concern because he's almost you know mid twenties already. Mm-hmm. So you know you have to wonder about you know Matt Harmon calls him the the Kelvin coaster, and that's definitely a fair a fair and accurate um, description of him. So now they add Devin Funches in there, and you know I, I like Funches, but basically you've got two giant receivers that don't get much separation. Yep. You just kind of have to wonder, you know, is that going to be enough? Because that offensive line is still very poor against the pass. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about a guy in Michael Orr that had a poor season in Tennessee, and now they're asking him to man Newton's blind side. Semi pun intended there. <laughs> but um you know like like you said people are probably going to look at Cam's numbers and say oh they're doling out all this money for a guy with you know x number of touchdowns x pass completion this that whatever they don't look at the context of everything they don't realize that you know other even in his first couple of years okay he had Steve Smith and Greg Olson what else who, you know who was his number 2 receiver you know, really every year he's been in the league so far. He really hasn't had one. His running game has been, eh, you know, we, you know, we, we like Jonathan Stewart, but the guy can't be healthy for more than four weeks at a time, it seems. And D'Angelo Williams was over the hill, and of course now he's in Pittsburgh. Of course, well, and we saw Caroline just went out and drafted 
a uh, running back this year in Cameron Artis Payne. So there's a little bit of an Auburn connection there. So you ha- so you have to take all these things into consideration. And, and even before Luke Kuechly was there, this def- even with Luke Kuechly there a little bit, the defense was kind of was it was good, but it wasn't. It still had its weaknesses because the secondary was always terrible. Well, it it was okay, but it wasn't. You know there were yeah, a lot nothing of nothing special. What's that? Right. Yeah, I was gonna say nothing special. It, no, yeah, nothing special. Like guys like Keekley masked the problems of the secondary. So there were a lot of question marks surrounding Newton, but he's done enough to keep this team in contention. You know, and, and like I said, and it's not like. You know, they started the season hot and ended terribly and relied on other teams. They worked their way back into playoff contention because they did start. And they even had a decent start. I think they were like 3-2-1 and one after the tie with the Bengals. But then all of a sudden, you know, just got, went on a real bad streak. And all of a sudden, they're 3-8-1. and one. But they win four games in a row and just demolish the Falcons the final week of the season to get into the playoffs. And, you know, you mentioned Matt Ryan. Here's another guy who his receiving weapons, as as much as we love Julio Jones and Roddy White, not a whole lot after. Like, Harry Douglas had been a serviceable third receiver, but, you know, you, you talk about a guy like Roddy White now. Here's another guy who, you know, we mentioned Father Time, starting to catch up with them. Injuries, age, it's all catching up to Roddy White. I mean, he, he's been in the league, what, now, 10 years already, I think? Uh, by the way, shout out to Roddy White's alma mater, UAB, for reinstating their football program. Big ups. Should have never happened, but or I should say the shutdown of the program should have never happened. But big ups to reinstating it. You're right in that Tony. You know, after Tony Gonzalez, Matt Ryan really hasn't done much because who's been there at tight end? You could have put me in there, and you probably would have had the same production. And, and again, the Falcons are another team where everything around the quarterback just was hasn't been up to par the last couple of years. Like that defense is atrocious. Now you bring in Dante, or um, sorry, not Dante Fowler, uh, Vic Beasley, and you hope that that's going to be the whole the the fill in the pass rush that the Falcons need, but. Uh, you know, and that's what's going to make the NFC South interesting. There's a lot of good storylines that uh, certainly down the line we're going to get into as the season draws near. I do have one question for Ian uh, regard re- related to this. What does this contract do? What does Cam Newton's contract do for Russell Wilson? That's going to be fascinating because when the Tannehill contract came out, I was asking the same thing about Cam Newton's contract. Well, how would that affect it? Um, it sounds like Russell Wilson's really pushing to get this massive um, guaranteed contract where maybe it's less overall money, but it's a higher guaranteed dollar amount, which looking at it, I think is foolish, honestly, because of all the $100 million contracts that we've ever seen a quarterback, and you know, this is props to Scott Karasik on Twitter, he was the one that, that did the legwork on this, and, and I'm just kind of rehashing that information. Only two quarterbacks did not live out that complete contract, and one of them is Peyton Manning after he basically broke his neck, mm-hmm. and the other was Michael Vick 
because of the dogfighting situation. Right. So if you're signing a $100 million deal, chances are great that you're going to get that money. Now, with some of the younger quarterbacks, Kaepernick, I don't think he'll probably see that full contract. Jay Cutler probably won't see that full contract. Um, you know, those are two guys that, you know, will probably buck the trend. However, barring major injury to Russell Wilson, I don't think he's going to take a major decline. Now, if he that's the risk with him. And if I'm the Seahawks, I'd probably take a pretty hard line in the sand because I don't know how good of a player he's going to be if he can't move around. as a, You know, if, if, if he has what happens to him as happened to Robert Griffin III, what does he become? And that's it's a really difficult question. And, and honestly, I don't know the answer to that. So while Wilson may be pushing for $80 million guaranteed, I think from the team perspective, I'd rather give him $120 million and say, we'll give you half of that guaranteed or, you know, $50 million guaranteed or whatever it may be uh, over the life of basically three years because your elite contracts are guaranteed for three years. Anything less than that kind of tells you how a team feels about a player. Um, you don't see deals really too much into like that fourth year. So you really look at that third, what's guaranteed after that second and third year. For Wilson, that would be, you know, probably $60 million in the first three seasons. All right. And it's like we mentioned with Cam Newton. I mean, $54 million of his contract is guaranteed, and then he has a little bit in 2017 guaranteed for injury only. Um, so this again shows the confidence that the Panthers have in Cam Newton to basically say, you know, you're our guy and hopefully they do what they can to keep, to continue to surround him, surround him with talent, both on offense and defense. You know, like we saw in the first round, they took Shaq Thompson and you mentioned, Devin Funches so it's going to be interesting to see and you know again also with Russell Wilson that that's definitely going to be fun to watch may not happen this year probably going to be next year um but definitely something to watch out for um and speaking of and, and kind of continuing the topic of quarterbacks and other positions I, I think one thing we want to get into you know this is a topic you actually brought up Ian off-camera, or off-podcast, I guess you could say. Uh, we want to take a look at the potential free agent class of 2016, because it looks like it's going to be loaded. Um, you know, just some of the top names, and this is a very select few I'm, I'm rattling off here. Eli Manning is entering a contract year. Philip Rivers, Matt Forte, Antonio Gates, uh and of course, all the top receivers that got franchise tagged this year: Des Bryant, Demarius Thomas, um, Von Miller is scheduled to be a free agent at the end of this season. So there's a lot of guys scheduled to be free agents. So I, I know something you brought up is, you know, kind of talking about different players and should the team keep them or whatnot. So right now, as we stand here on June 2nd. Uh, we're actually recording this during Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals, so you can get a sense how early we are. But uh, as we are now, what do you think is going to be the landscape of the 2016 free agent class, especially considering how the salary cap continues to grow and grow and grow? So a lot of money has the potential to be thrown out. Yeah, like you mentioned, there are a ton of impact players. And some of these guys, like 
Manning and Rivers, I'd be surprised if they actually hit the market. Um, Rivers more so than Manning. Um, I think Manning, if he were with another franchise, I think that this would be a pretty big year for him. But the Giants have a history of being loyal. Um, it would be very surprising if he if he were to not be retained. Honestly, just going off of his play, I think it would be justifiable to move on from him at this point. Um, but for the most part, though, the best quarterback that's probably going to be on the market could be Sam Bradford. So outside of quarterback, you're really looking at the key positions. You're looking at offensive tackle, pass rusher, cornerback. Um, there are some guys still available in their, that look to be available in their prime. Jason Pierre-Paul, Trent Williams, the left tackle from Washington, um, Jonathan Joseph, the cornerback from Houston, although he's 31 now, probably going to be, he's going to be a 32 a year from now. So, you know, that's a guy that you don't look at the same, even Eric Weddle, the safety out of San Diego, he's 30 going on 31. So some of these guys are, are on that, that teeter totter where teams are going to have to say, okay, he's 29, he's 30, he's 31. What kind of contract do we give to a player that's still playing very well? I mean, I went back, I watched Jonathan Joseph's all the snaps charged to him. He's still a number one cornerback. Like he is still, he's not an elite cornerback, but he's still in that second tier of top cornerbacks. He's very respectable. He should definitely be retained. But the question is, what do you pay a cornerback at that, at that age? Because as we saw with Brent Grimes last year, towards the end of the season, once you start, and, you know, we just talked about this with running backs. Cornerback is another position where you have to be one of the better athletes on the field. There's only so much that technique is going to cover for you. You have to have some sort of uh, elite trait to be a great player at that position because you're facing 6'4", six, 6'5", six, receivers faster than you, quicker than you, and they know exactly what's going on in the play. So there has to be some sort of standout trait. You have to wonder if a guy like Joseph or any, any one of these 31, 32-year-olds are still going to have that talent. I think that's going to be the big question entering free agency for some of these guys. Uh, but some of the younger players like Muhammad Wilkerson, Prince of Mukamara, um, even a guy like uh, Aldon, Alden Smith, you know, if he ends up hitting free agency, there's just there are a vast number of impact players slated to be free agents. And you could say that for any year, but I'm pretty surprised so far by how few guys have gotten big extensions already um because i mean if i would from a team perspective <clears throat> i would absolutely want to have des bryant locked up to an extension demarius thomas i mean I'm, I'm really shocked that a guy like trent williams doesn't have an extension yet like that's a proven franchise left tackle that's a top five positional player so they can't afford to lose a player like that so i think if these guys hit free agency even if 10 out of these top 30 free agents hit free agency we're going to see money spent unlike ever before just because the sheer talent of these players. I mean, Ryan Kerrigan is a really good player. Cameron Hayward, Hayward from the Steelers, very good player. Even Anthony Costanzo, left tackle from Indiana, uh, Indianapolis. That's another, you know, he's kind of an average tackle, but you still don't normally see average tackles even hit the free market. So these guys are going to cash in and they're going to cash in big time. Oh, I think you're muted, bud. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was muted. Whoops. But, yeah, you know, I'm looking at the list myself, and, you know, you were talking about some of the left, some of the offensive linemen, and 
even looking at some of the other players, like Nate Solder is a guy I really like, and he's scheduled to be a free agent. You know, the Bengals are an interesting team because both of their current starting tackles are scheduled to be free agents, both Andrew Whitworth and Andre Smith, which I guess, which certainly explains, or at least is one of the reasons why they went uh, tackle-tackle uh, in the draft with Cedric Abuehi and uh, Jake Fisher. So, like you mentioned, the money is going to be incredible because we're probably looking at a cap of about, say, $155, $155 million. You know, so it's really going to be fun to watch. And, you know, to piggyback what you said, even if a select few of these players, because obviously not all of these players are, are going to hit the free are going to hit the free market. A lot of these players are going to be franchise tag, but there are we we could say maybe like I said maybe ten of the top so players will hit the free agent market. Like Haloti Nada is, you know, we all know what's going to go on there. Um, so it, it's going to be really fun to watch as the season goes on and who knows maybe some of these names come off the board even during training camp as far as contract uh well eric Weddle, i think we know won't get a new contract they've pretty much made that clear but you know bottom line is it's going to be it's always fun to watch the free agent spoilers that first day so it remains to be seen justin houston again you know as, as i keep scrolling so We'll see what happens. It's definitely going to be definitely going to be fun to watch. Uh, and boy, it's been a half hour already, so I think we certainly covered a little bit of ground, at least for the first episode. You know, just just wanted to get our feet wet, see what we get, see how we do, and uh, I think this is a good spot to say, you know, call it quits for the night. Um, but, you know, this was definitely a great episode, you know, certainly some kinks, but we'll work those out. Uh, Ian, I want to thank you so much for joining me, and I really hope you and I can do this for quite some time, and we'll certainly have more stuff to talk about next time, and it should be a lot of fun, so hopefully it's going to be a fun ride for us. Definitely. Thanks for listening, everybody. And feel free to send in questions. Feel free to send in uh, feedback. And we'll definitely uh, address those for the next episode, especially questions or anything that you guys like to hear us talk about. Absolutely. So for Ian Wharton, I am Bill Rossetti. We are the Gridiron Graduates. And we will see you next time right here on the Gridiron Graduates. Goodbye. <laughs>